0: Media.com presents Beyond the Wall, a Game of Thrones podcast with hosts Christiana Ellis, Jute Schuber, Vivid Muse, and Nook Jess. Hi everybody, welcome to season 5 of Spectic Media presents Beyond the Wall. Tonight we're discussing episode 5 of Game of Thrones, titled Sons of the Harpy. With no spoilers past the currently aired episodes, I'm Chooch. As always, I'm joined by Christiana. Hello. And Nookjess.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Hey there. And unfortunately, we do not have Viv with us this evening. I was hoping to get her notes, but it doesn't look like I got that either. So we'll hear from her on this episode uh, next time. We'll give the I, uh, up
2: front.
3: I'm sitting back from the camera because I have something going on with my back. So apologies for being farther away than usual. I hope you can hear me from here.
0: <laughs> Still sound great. So do we have <laughs> any uh, any news bits? No,
1: I have one news bit, but it goes along with something that happened. Okay, so cool. I'll just save it.
0: All right. Then uh maybe we'll just jump right in. We uh have Dorne on the map. Yes, we-
1: finally I cheered.
0: And did it did it live up to your expectations?
1: Um, I liked it. It had the water gardens in a way that I kind of pictured them, so that worked. It's not very large, but that's mm-hmm. okay. I didn't really know how big it was anyway, so
0: that really struck me that, you know, you have like King's Landing is just yeah. huge and all that. And then Dorn. And Well it, it only is, really it, shows one little city. Yeah.
1: You go from you go from Bravos to Dorn and Bravos is so huge and epic and you got the coins rolling and the the Titan and everything. And then we go to Dorn and it's like splish slash. There's water. Yay.
0: <laughs> oh, we can't hear you, Christiana.
3: Oh, Please. All right. Sorry. That is really <laughs> aggravating. Cause like I'll sit here and I don't touch it and nothing happens and it just cuts out, but it's uh, okay.
2: <laughs> it has a sun spear. That's what i was trying to say.
1: Yes. It, a- it did have the sun spear. Exactly. <laughs> that was cool too.
3: Yeah. Um, the, what I was going to say about it though, is the only thing that had me rolling my eyes just a little bit is kind of what you just said, which was, um, Like, Dorne is a whole, it is one of the seven kingdoms. It's a whole region of the continent. It's not just one little city called Dorne. Yeah. Uh, So that was a little weird that way. And the only thing that I I, I feel like, maybe they wanted to save it for last in the credits, but I feel like by going over to Braavos and then Marine first and then back over to Dorne, it made it more confusing where Dorne is compared to the other Westeros cities um which nitpicky stuff i'm just glad to have it on there but uh i did notice those things
1: yeah like dorn mm-hmm. if if you if you think about westeros in size at least or at least the way that it is in my head um dorn is a lot like the north where it just takes up so much more of westeros in in space than than the other kingdoms do Mm-hmm. And then, like Christiana said, you know, the city is not called Dorn. It's the entire region is Dorn. But, yeah. yeah.
2: right.
3: Although it's also true that um, compared to the other kingdoms, it's like the north, too, in the sense that a whole lot of it is not very densely populated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's um, things preventing people from accessing it freely, you know. Mountains really deserts. Yeah. Yeah. Band mm-hmm. snakes. And uh sure. And Bulletin snakes. snakes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Dorn has a snake. <laughs> yeah.
3: It has it has a couple. No, <laughs> you just just a few. Right right in the uh in the uh credits though, we've got the one coiling mm-hmm. up the uh the
0: spear, which is That fun. was really cool. I really mm-hmm. did like that. And we lose Mo Kalen, but we never understood why he had it in the first place, so that's okay. <laughs>
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> the only thing I can think of is that they're going to go back to Moat Kalen at some point later this season. That's the only thing that makes mm-hmm. any sense to me. Yeah, it was weird. Either that, or they just spent so much money on the one shot of showing Moat Kalen in the uh, in the episode that they're like, "Well, shoot, I feel like we, you know, people are not going to know where that is unless
0: we put it in the credits." <laughs> this episode, we jump straight to Volantis where Jorah steals a boat. Mm hmm.
3: My first thought was to be critical and think, you really need to punch out the fisherman, Jorah. But then (laughs) I thought more about it and I realized, you know what? It's it's ruthless, but savvy because his whole thing is he knows that Tyrion could be recognized because that's what he did. Right. So he needs not to have anybody know why. You know, he needs to not have the fisherman go off and say, hey, you know, some some guy just, uh, you know, paid me a lot of money to bring a dwarf on a boat.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, so that's we, we saw how well it works out when you let boat captains know uh, what you're doing <laughs> exactly. uh, later in the episode.
1: And I do like that he he tossed the guy some coins anyway, you know, like mm-hmm. he wasn't it was very clear he is not stealing this boat. He's buying it without your permission. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah. no. Well, Joris, he's he's still got it in, in his head that he's going to be able to salvage this idea of being an honorable knight, yeah. um, which uh, Tyrion mocks him for pretty mercilessly.
1: I love the Tyrion Jorah show. <laughs> it's, it's one of the things I, w- I was very excited to get to because there's just something about two people who are just diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hate you. You hate me.
3: Um, I, I see uh, Sheriff Bullock has a, uh, a question saying, I thought Bolton said the North was larger than the other kingdoms combined. Also, hi, I wanted to get my jokes in before I had to scoot. Um, I, I pulled up a uh, a map. Um, so uh, let's see. I can do the uh, the, the screen share real quick. Um,
2: right.
1: Dorn would be the see. second largest, though, I think. Um, i wrong. Could be wrong. I it's all memory. Yeah. For some reason, I can't
3: figure out the, uh, the screen share. Oh, there it is. So um, if you guys uh, want to look at my... Uh, So, if you are you seeing the map? Yeah. Yeah. So the north, obviously, really big. And then we've got, you know, the the Vale area, the Riverlands, you know, the uh, you know. So we've got the various kingdoms, and you can see Dorne is pretty big. So maybe it's we we overstated it a little bit. Yeah. But the the North is also not bigger than all the others combined. It's it's maybe a third of Westeros if you don't count north of the Wall.
1: But everyone knows that they don't really understand math in Westeros, so it's all good. <laughs> um, but I am very clearly wrong because according to this map, the Reach is definitely bigger. Than Dorn, but we don't know. Ooh. This map could have been made in the region. We all know how uh, <laughs> xenophobic map makers can be. So, yeah. See, for some
3: reason in my head, and this is totally not based on anything except vague recollections, mm-hmm. I was thinking that this region was actually called something else. I
1: not I thought that region, region was part of Dorn. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it. I thought Highgarden was kind of at the border. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because this is
3: old town where the citadel yeah. is. That's where the maesters get trained, um, and then which uh, makes
1: sense actually because yeah, I guess we did know that it was in uh, in the reach.
3: Yeah, and this is where the Iron Islands are, and then of course over here is Essos, where you know Marine and Bravos and all are.
1: So for those of you not watching the video, that was very boring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But we had a map.
3: (laughs) Well, and anyone can just Google Westeros map, and I think you'll figure it out.
2: Yeah.
1: And then Chooch started singing the song that I always have in my head when I say we have a map.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did I? Did you?
1: I I did not hear anything. Maybe I just heard it in my head, and I thought Chooch was singing it.
0: It's the map. How does it go? It's the map. Well, you have to sing it.
1: It's the map. It's from Dora the Explorer. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. <laughs> don't worry, Chooch. You'll get very familiar with Dora the Explorer in about a year or two.
0: Yeah, probably. Or some new evil thing will come on. So <laughs> the yeah. So later on, they have uh, a scene and have their conversation. Yeah. Um,
3: Not a lot to it this early, though, other than. You know, general sense of Jorahs being rough with Tyrion.
1: I do love that later scene, though.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Are we going character by character? or Are we going in uh, chronological order? Um,
0: I think it goes mostly chronological. The okay.
3: Yeah, I that's mean, the 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 Tyrion and Jorah here is the exception. I think everyone everything else kind of happens in yeah. order.
0: Yeah. Though actually, we start uh, on the ocean to Dorne. Jamie sees uh, Mm -hmm. the Sapphire Isle.
3: Uh, Oh, yeah, we do get two scenes of uh, of Bronn and 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 Jamie. Um, Yeah, go ahead. It was
1: it had to be fan service, but you know, Jamie looking, you know, oh, is that whatever? And it's like, oh no, that's Tarth, the Sapphire Islands, and he just had this look of longing, like I wonder what Brienne's doing right about now. Well, I,
3: I thought, like, not only just that, but just specifically the memory of the whole bit about, oh, yeah, because there's sapphires there was the whole thing that led to him losing his hand. <laughs> that wasn't too. Even just Brienne memory. It's, it's, it was a sp- very specific evening.
1: <laughs> and anytime I hear the Sapphire Islands, I think of the book because um, Virgo Hote has a very bad lisp and he says, Sapphire. And uh, so every time I hear the Sapphire Islands, it's like the Sapphire Islands, Islands <laughs> <silence>, King Flair! <laughs>
0: we have uh, so their conversation. Jamie, um, Ron seems to be pumping Jamie a little for secrets, mm-hmm. or maybe he's just bored.
3: Well, I think he's also he he's kind of at that point where he knows enough of Jamie's real secrets. That the ones that he's pretty sure of, and yet Jamie seems oddly insistent on not making explicit. He's just kind of like, "Really, really, niece? Okay, then, whatever." <laughs> but um, I like too that he's kind of like, you know, "Hey, I'm a cell sword. You know, I'll I'll go where you pay me to go." But you ever think how this plan's kind of dumb?
1: <laughs> I. I like how daring Braun is like Mm -hmm. the fact that he has the audacity to speak to the head of the Kings guard, the uncle of the King and to actually go niece. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, really he could still just kill you for that, you know, and he would be well within his rights and it just shows how many stones Braun has. Like he really doesn't care. Mm -hmm.
3: Well, he's also at the point of it's like I'm the one that you already trusted enough to try to train you to fight. Yeah. And and I'm the one that knows that you suck now. <laughs> True. Um the other interesting detail though I think is this was the first time we really got probably honest Jamie's feeling about how he actually feels about Tyrion now.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. that was huge to me because that's something that's—it's not really addressed in the books, I don't think. I mean, sure.
3: not as bluntly as this. Yeah, story. like I
1: know he—I he, know there's chapters where Cersei's viewing him, and so you get her take on things. And I know that we've got some chapters from Jamie afterwards, but his main focus isn't really Tyrion and Tyrion; it's other mm-hmm. things. So you don't really get to see, well, what, what does he really feel about Tyrion now? And what would he do if he saw him again? Yeah. Because, like, I still hold out hope that they can have that friendship that they had. But when I watch this, I'm like, yeah, no, that really can't happen. Well, see, the way I,
3: I think of it, though, is that just just the nature of what Jamie's like and his personality. I mean, he's... He's mad, especially because, you know, it's not like he had a great relationship with Tywin either, but it obviously puts their whole family in a really tough spot. And also, Jamie's got to be feeling a little bit like, dude, I help you escape, and this is how you repay me? Yeah. But I I can't help but think if they were really face-to-face. Like, that's how Jamie feels now. I think, I don't think he would be able to hold to that if they really met up again.
0: And I think it kind of depends on how things turn out because mm-hmm. I don't think there was any love loss for Tywin, but he's more mad, like you said, that he released him and he did it and it just kind of fucked all their other plans. So, mm-hmm. and Bersay's pissed off again. So he thought he was getting somewhere.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it was complicated,
3: even his relationship with Taiwan. Like, there's obviously there's a lot of there's kind of a love hate thing there. Like, as much as he resents the way Taiwan treats him and 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 acts, that there was always a part of him that still felt like I'm someday I'm going to do something to make you proud of me. Mm-hmm. You know? And now he can't. Yeah. Um. But again, I think if. If actually they came face to face again, I, 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 think Jamie's feelings would change not like on a dime necessarily, but I also don't think he would just,
2: you know, swing the sword. No questions asked.
0: Yeah. Let's jump over to King's landing. We have the small council, Mm-hmm. iron banks wanting to get paid. Yeah, we know that uh, <laughs> they're struggling.
3: Um, just, uh, before we move on, uh, Mike McCauley, uh, has your back, Manny. He says, I was singing that map song in my head too. Don't feel bad.
1: I don't, <laughs> Anyone who's, who's had been around kids of a certain age. It's there. <laughs>
3: um, but we, we, you know, the, the fun, the interesting thing with the news about the iron bank and then them demanding some of the, of what they're owed, uh, what we have to remember too is that they have now uh, as far as we you know they didn't make it super explicit what happened but they've now funded Stannis with the express intent that he will uh be able to pay that back because he's going to take over Westeros. Mm-hmm. and so this whole thing of you know the, this idea that Tyrell's going to be able to go and negotiate better terms is not likely because this whole idea of 10% of what is owed, that's just like going to be the first volley of like, okay, we're going to hamstring you guys now so that our other investment actually starts to pay off. And we hope we can actually get what we can out of you before, you know, before Stannis comes in.
0: Tyrell offering to, you know, double down and, and put more in, Cersei so immediately shut him down, say, No, you should go talk to him. And Marin's gonna go with you. And I'm thinking, he's not gonna make it to the bank. Mm.
3: <laughs> well, I don't know. I, yeah, that's it it's hard to know because Marin is certainly her dirty work guy.
0: Yeah, and but I mean, they're fucked. They don't have money, they can't pay it back. Mm-hmm. So I guess it could just be a stalling tactic, and just get him out of her hair. Well, but... I
3: I think that's kind of where Cersei's head is at in this episode. Is it's all short sighted. She is so hyper focused on taking Marjorie's support structure away that she is she is making all sorts of short sighted decisions.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, that even ones that really undercut the things that in principle she holds most dear. Like, like this one isn't, isn't that so much, but like some of what she does with, uh, with Tommen and the the faith militant later, like she puts Tommen in a position to look really weak and theoretically even to be in physical danger because she's so focused on hurting Mm
2: Marjorie.
1: Although I will say, uh, show Cersei's a lot smarter. Than Book say, Because Book say is like, we don't have to pay them back. We're a country. We'll just we're done. We don't have to pay back the Iron Bank. <laughs> and so at least this is a bit smarter. And in the book, it was she sent somebody else, but she sent the men that were following Sir Gregor around with the that person, which is a little more dubious than sending Sir Marin Trent. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Unless you know what we know about Sir Marin Trent hmm Then uh that actually looks like a nice gesture and Mace is so clearly fooled by it. Yeah. <laughs> well,
3: and uh I don't know what they're planning to do. Yeah. Because again, this is different than how it worked out. But we what we also have to just remember is Maren Trant will now be going to Bravos. Yeah, he is one of the names on Arya's list.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, "Ooh, that's kind yeah. of nice." I have some yeah. theories what might happen.
3: Yeah, it might be. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't want to get into that. Yeah, no, no, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. Uh, so she's she's totally flattering him. Like, oh, you're so important. You're <laughs> going to be the one to talk him into it. And um, and I'm going to send Marin Trant cue creepy music and for him to come in <laughs> glowering. And then I was like, my very own Kingsguard, I'm honored. And she's like, yeah, no.
1: <laughs> uh, and well you know it just goes to show by the way what a bad master of coin he is he's like oh, i'll just put my own money into it dude that's not how you work as an accountant you don't pay off the boss's bills with your own money what,
3: what i what i loved about the way he said it though is it's like and if if the queen were to not pay us back i would have a stern word with my daughter <laughs> and he thinks he's being all funny and cersei's just like you son of a bitch. You still don't even know who
1: you're talking to. <laughs> I love how many times he tried to make a joke and no one laughed. There's yeah. like three separate times he thinks he's making a joke and everyone's just like, okay, moving on. Yeah. And <laughs> it must I, be so, really
0: pleasant in his world. I'd like to yeah. live there for a little while.
1: Me too. My,
3: my favorite bit of that whole scene, though, was the end when he bustles off and then like the only people left at the table are Picel and Kyburn. and Pysel's like small council grows smaller and smaller and she's like not small enough
0: <laughs> yeah you are yeah. still on the shit list poor
3: Pycelle he spent so long just sucking up to them and now she doesn't even like him anymore
1: Yeah, <laughs> I have no pity for that man <laughs>
0: So we head into Cersei's office. It looks like Littlefinger's response is on the table. I'm really dying to see what it says.
3: Well, I mean, at the very least, we see from later that he does seem to be planning to go to King's uh, King's Landing. Mm -hmm. Um, So he, I mean, I don't know for sure, but it sounds like what his response would be was probably, I'll be right there.
0: And presumably Bruce Bolton read it. Yeah, so, you know yeah. he'd like to see it. So That's true. Peter, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh Cersei is gonna arm the high sparrow's men and they immediately start clamping down on sinners.
3: Yeah. What? So, Nani, re- maybe you remember this better than I do in the book, but was was it Cersei's idea in the book? I thought they asked her if they yeah, could do it.
1: Basically what happened was um, the Faith asked Cersei to militarize, to, to give them their militia, and in return they would cancel out the debt that the Crown had with the Faith. So what, so that actually took care of some of the crown's debt. Mm. And so basically they bought it. Whereas in the show, Cersei's like, oh no, this is, you know, I want to do this. And she has a very Mm. significant goal in mind. Um, The faith are so different in the show. Like, for instance, the whole thing about, um, for instance, uh, the the sins that they seem to be obsessed with here, mm-hmm. drinking, whoring, homosexuality, worshiping gods other than the seven, these are the sins, of what they would say, of the common folk, and that wasn't important to them at all. And Martin has even gone on record as saying, yeah, they don't really think of homosexuality as like a big sin. It's not the big deal. Mm-hmm. And so they're so different, and the fact that there's this homophobic storyline in here is I don't want to well it may be on it it seems unsettling to me now Mm -hmm. um I don't know how they're going to implement it but I don't know I just I I just feel like it's too too in line with what's going on in life you know that Crazy fanatics go after gay people. Hmm. Well, I I liked
3: that about it because on the one hand, the the fact that Loris is gay is a much bigger part in the show yes. than it ever was in the books, and so I think it's an opportunity to send the code to us of how how scary these guys are, and to mm. and the show wants us to be uncomfortable with them. I think, yeah. And it works, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't know anything about them from the books, but hearing you, it sounds seems like it's a shortcut, you know, that mm-hmm. yeah. it's, you immediately have an image of what, they're, what they are and what they're about. And it's easy for mm-hmm. them to have planted um, Marjorie saying, you know, you're not even trying to hide it anymore, you know, to lead into what's going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good way to just have the whole issue be a little bit more prominent. And, uh, and and also I think, like I said, they're, they're definitely playing up like the creepy angle Mm -hmm. in, in the show compared to in the books, like in, in the books, there I think there was almost more emphasis on like the the more positive side of some of it in the sense that there really are a lot of common folk that are really suffering, and the actual intent of this was really to protect them, and so there are darker implications of some of that of just you know, essentially giving an army to a new power that hasn't existed in a long time. It upsets the political structure. But I feel like there wasn't in the book as much emphasis on, yeah, these guys, I don't know. But I thought it was interesting too, just the, the scene that we got with the High Sparrow this time, almost like I was feeling like I didn't trust him last time this one almost makes him seem like he's more reasonable because he it wasn't his idea. And he's like, Oh, you know, I, I wouldn't have even asked for this. Um, but then what happens as soon as they get weapons is they're cutting shapes in their forehead and killing people
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> and smashing beer kegs in the street and beating up merchants and raiding brothels.
0: I mean, Oh yes. And we get our our new favorite sex position. I've got a, the sound clip is ineffective. This is Lord Peter Bellish's establishment. That line didn't do him any good last time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought it was, uh, it, it was, I mean,
3: it worked fine, but it was interesting just on two minor levels. One, which was, I guess he does technically still own it. He didn't transfer it or sell it or something when he left King's Landing. Um, but two, it's also, I think, a reminder, you know, we're we're hearing later that he's actually coming there, but it's it's probably just sort of a plot coupon that that's part of what he's going to have to deal with when he shows up.
0: Yeah. And, and I meant, you know, not getting any respect because the last time oh, people yeah. barged well, uh, in, it was the exact same line. This is Peter Bailey's establishment. Like, nobody gives a shit. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. You know, technically...
1: People don't actually respect Littlefinger very Mm -hmm. much. And if he's not there, who cares? Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know,
1: he's got
3: better things to be doing. (laughs) Apparently.
0: Um, We had to... But yeah, so... Sorry, go ahead. Tommen's Chambers, Marjorie's pissed off, and uh, Tommen's in the meat grinder. (laughs) Well, and
3: this is where I think... We we see how Marjorie was far too quick to switch to gloat mode in the last couple of episodes. Um, Now that said, I don't think she could have foreseen how self-destructive Cersei would be in her dogged attempts to hurt Marjorie at any cost. Um, Because, gosh, giving a lot of crazy fanatical religious culty people, including one of them who knows all of this stuff that she has done. Yeah, let's give them all weapons. I'm sure that won't have any long-term consequences. Just so that she can get Loras arrested. And then, of course, not dealing seriously with the Iron Bank, just so she can get Tyrell out of town. Like, she's... I I think Marjorie could not have anticipated how extreme Cersei was going to be in trying to tear her support structure away.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I like it because you can see while well, M- Marjorie is learning how to play the game, she mm-hmm. has not mastered it like her grandmother, and she cracks. And yeah. you can see her go, uh, uh, oh, oh, well, well. she's trying to get back into it, but she's having a really <laughs> hard time. Yeah.
3: At first, she comes in and she's kind of all in this mode of like wanting to treat Tom and like he's an adult, and 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 then she, so she's coming in is like. What are you gonna do about this? And he's like, uh, uh, I, don't know, "I don't know." And uh, she's like,
0: "All oh, right, shit.
3: Uh, oh, darling, I just, you know, it it hurts me so." <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I could set her free for you, and what I hear in my well, head is the next line's gonna be, uh, "Mom, how do I set prisoners free?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, because <laughs> I think what she's recognizing here is that it, this is happening too quickly, and Tommen is not at a point yet where he can stand up to his mom. Mm-hmm. I think she she assumed too quickly that Cersei was just going to leave, and then that was it. But she didn't, and this is happening now. <laughs> and I, I loved too that she's she she decided she needs to phone a friend, you know, <laughs> send word to a, a, her grandmother.
1: Yeah. I can only hope that means we get to see Olena again. I hope
2: so. Yeah, I would think I so. this,
0: this is this is like you said, unprecedented, unthought of. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, so Tommen charges in, demands his release, and she's. But um, I didn't arrest him, and he just yeah. feel for the kid. She gives him the equivalent of finding a breastplate stretcher. <laughs>
3: yeah, <laughs> well, that see that was almost more than anything else in this episode. I felt like that was the indication that she is really off the deep end here in her pursuit of vengeance against Marjorie, because ostensibly her whole deal is wanting to protect her kids. Like that's the only reason supposedly that she hates Marjorie is she thinks Marjorie's gonna take Tommen away from her. And yet what does she do to Tommen here? Not only does she undercut him personally, which is fine because she wants to be able to control him but she sends him off to look weak in front of this new army she has just created and his own Kingsguard simultaneously. Right. Plus the not unheard of, not impossible risk that uh, he could actually be hurt in something like that happening. And not only that, but Tom is standing out there and people are yelling that he's a bastard and an abomination. Like, like there's no upside to any of that and Cersei put him in that position on purpose Mm -hmm. just so that she wouldn't have to uh, give into his like she instead of making the point of here's why I'm not going to do what you're asking she makes him feel like he's failing which is going to undercut him
1: I I don't think she realized that people were going to call him a bastard um I'm I'm definitely going to give her benefit of the doubt on that one, yeah. and I think this is really the first time Tommen's even heard that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like heard anyone actually say that. Because remember, he's just been completely protected, so he's completely caught off guard. And then when the when the the one Kingsguard is like, "No, we could kill him for you." Mm. What? No, <laughs> you know, and you can see that he's realizing, okay, my decisions have a very Very big influence on what's going to happen here. Um, I do think that Cersei wanted him to fail so that he would cling to her and say, Mommy, do this for me. But uh, she didn't think it
3: through. She did not. I I agree she wanted him to fail, but I think she underestimated that that makes Tommen look weak in front of a lot of people that we don't want him to look weak in front of for his own long-term benefit. Uh, Tim Dodge says Joffrey would have had someone beheaded for this. I, I think you're yeah. I think he's right. Well but I also just think it's like when the gold cloak said he want us to take care of him for you and he would say, Yes, please do mm-hmm. it. do it. Although of course he would have never gone after Joffrey or Loras in the first place. No, Joffrey would have beheaded Loras. He's
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, You you're telling me what to do? Mm, I behead your like, brother. Oh, they,
3: they arrested him cause he's uh because he's gay? Good. You know, like there was that whole scene where like he had talked about that with Marjorie and she had to kind of well, that's one way to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I—it's I, just one of those things. Like this, this whole arc from the book too is just like—it's—it's it's amazing because it just Cersei spends a long, a, a lot of time and effort just tossing as many chainsaw, running chainsaws up into the air, just figuring that she'll start juggling them later once they start coming down. She's going to just keep tossing more uh, up there. Uh, it's just, we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But, boy, she's putting her a lot of uh, things at risk.
0: Yeah. And somewhere in her brain, she has to know this isn't sustainable. So...
3: Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. like I I feel like she's just so focused on Marjorie right now because she thinks she, maybe she's got this prophecy in the back of her mind. She thinks Marjorie's going to take everything from her. She's worried her kids are going to die, but like it it's all just transferred to she just hates Marjorie so much. You know, it's just flames, flames on the side of her face, <laughs> on the side of her face. Um like so she is just not thinking long-term at yeah. all. It is just all about hurting Marjorie right now, I think, and she just figures I'll
0: deal with the rest of that later oh uh, my my guess is she's gonna do this flail out, all kinds of damage. Jamie shows back up with their daughter, and uh she'll grab Tom in a chest of gold, and they'll ride right off to the sunset or I don't know um, <laughs> probably not, she's probably too unstable to. Even have that as a vision.
3: <laughs> well, you know, we'll we'll have to talk a little bit more about her and Jamie uh, when we talk to the, about the Jamie and Bronn scene yeah. later, because there's a little bit more discussion yeah. there. Um,
0: yeah. uh, Thomas, sh- 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 sweet so is a boy. Deep. Doesn't want anyone to get hurt. Goes back. Marjorie's base. Mm-hmm. You know, cuts him off. <laughs> if only he had an uncle to talk to.
1: Mm, Yeah. You know who could help him with this situation? Tyrion. (laughs) Yeah. Tyrion is really like, he should have been the uncle that the kids went to for advice. Mm -hmm. You know, you are good with strategy. You understand how the world works. You will give me advice without trying to control me. Mm -hmm. Tywin would give you advice, but that's to serve his needs not the realms.
3: Yeah. Whereas I, it's like that yeah. speech um, over uh, Joffrey's body that uh, Tywin gave Tommen last season. It was basically like, let's have a lesson on what a good king is. And the end of the lesson is that a good king is one who does what mm-hmm. I tell him. <laughs> yeah. Pretty Yeah. <much. laughs> um, so Marjorie leaves, she, she mentioned sending word to her mm-hmm. grandmother, but then she also leaves the room saying she needs to be with her family. Right. Does that mean that she's going somewhere too, or do we think she's just going to try to call Elena to Kingsland? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think she was just, she's cutting them off. She's taken away the, the, the carrot and mm-hmm. needed a quick, Plausible reason. Oh, I'm bereft. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think you know she's definitely sending word, but let's not forget that most of those la- her ladies in waiting are her relatives. When mm-hmm. she introduces Sansa around, she introduces how most of them are cousins. Mm. So she's got a lot of family in King's Landing with her, and all mm. those giggly girls that were with her last episode, talking about you know Tom and stamina. That that is her family, so she can you know just retreat to that and when she walked into the into Tommen's room it definitely felt like Tommen's room not mm-hmm. their room yeah
0: yeah i didn't get the impression she was she was leaving kings landing but just leaving mm-hmm. him for now
3: well i think there was an element of what it just made me think of is how I, okay maybe all of the ladies in waiting are her cousins, but I mean, from the show perspective, in terms of establishing who is her mm-hmm. family, it's, it's Loras, it's Mace Tyrell, and it's Elena. Elena's not there, at least not yet. Mace just got sent off to Bravos, and Loris just yeah. got arrested. So I think it was almost just to kind of highlight it was like, Cersei has really just stripped all of her main mm-hmm. allies away. Yeah. 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 And uh, Tommen is, unfortunately, you know, even when on her side, is
1: not up to the task. And getting punished for it. Because mm-hmm. she's definitely punishing him by removing herself from him.
3: Oh, well, yeah, definitely. But I th- I think it's, it's also just like, not that that accomplishes anything either, because I think she's just realized that it doesn't matter if he's trying or not, because Cersei is not going to listen to him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump up to Castle Black. In the courtyard, mm-hmm. we have Stannis and his wife, who, I just forget her name. Talies. Talking Talese. about John's mother, reminding us, yeah, we don't mm-hmm. really know who his mom is, do we?
3: Yeah, that was kind of an out-of-nowhere mention. I um, loved it. I there love was a, what said, <laughs> there was a lot of stuff mentioned in this episode that we haven't heard about in a while, and I yeah. thought that was really interesting and um uh, you know, we don't need to uh say too much about it except that I feel like there's some code going on <laughs> um, but yeah, just this idea of Delise saying, Oh, he's you know just you know a bastard you know, spawned of a tavern wench and
1: Dennis is like, eh, I don't know. That wasn't Ned Stark's way. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that's interesting.
1: And it brings back the idea that uh, most people have a genuine mistrust of bastards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That if you are in this society, if you are born a bastard, there, you have a genetic mistrust in you. You know, that that you're likely to be Dishonorable, mm-hmm. not what you seem, mm-hmm. you know, stupid superstition, but it's it's what a lot of the people believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why Alistair Thorne never liked John because he was yeah. a bastard. Well, a highborn bastard. Mm-hmm. Let me
0: have uh, Sandra saying, <laughs> um, So, last time you listened to Davos, left me behind. You're not going to make that mistake again, right? And he's like, no, I need you there. And then she's be like, Well, no, you don't need me. You just need faith. Yeah. <laughs>
3: She's definitely. I, I felt like she's jerking him around a little <laughs> bit there too, just, to, just you know, just checking in, make sure you're still listening to me. Good, okay.
1: <laughs> is, it, is it this scene that she mentions Serene's royal blood? Mm. One of the scenes she mentions how Celine has Celine, 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 the daughter, the daughter. Sorry, I
3: didn't remember. I didn't remember hearing
1: that. Um, I thought there was one point where she mentions it. Maybe I'm just missing mm-hmm. it.
3: Because she really only talks to Stannis in that scene about um about whether he's going to take her south to Winterfell or not. And then she doesn't really have another scene with Stannis. I don't think she would have said that to Jon. Okay. Then
1: maybe I'm remember just remembering it. from another episode or yeah, something. Yeah, it sounds kind Sorry. of
0: familiar. I think it might have been a previous episode. Probably another episode.
3: Well, Stannis talks about how she is Princess Shireen. Yes. You know, his blood. I mean, Melisandre doesn't, but he talks about it. Okay. Not in the royal blood, you have power sort of sense, but Melisandre yeah. says that to John. Mm-hmm. And so I, you may just be blending those elements.
1: That may be what it is.
3: Um,
0: Melisandre. Oh,
3: but yeah. So in any uh, any case, she. there I don't. There's not a whole lot to that scene with Melisandre and Stannis. It's more just kind of like reminding us, the audience, that he's going to be leaving for Winterfell mm-hmm. soon, and you know, raising that very valid question of, well, is you know, what's the plan? What are they doing? Is she going to go with him?
2: What's what's going on?
0: Yeah. And she needs to get bacon if they're gonna leave in two weeks.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I like too that they they're they're subtly building in, um, you know, because we've been talking about winter mm-hmm. coming, or you know, since season one. But you know, just the kind of the subtlety of it's really kind of dreary and overcast and snowing there at Castle Black. Later, Littlefinger talks about how they're going to have to do it soon if they don't want the winter snows to block mm-hmm. them. So,
2: you know, it's going to start being a factor.
0: Yeah. Um, we um, we jumps so, into John's yeah, office. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I like, you know, so she's coming on to him and he's, you know, I've made a vow and gives him the eyebrow. <laughs> Um
3: let's not skip over uh John and Sam though um Sam you know handing him all oh, these yeah, things yeah, to yeah, sign, yeah. but then that that whole thing of I'm just a lady Hood and Smallwoods, and you know this guy and that guy, and um, I'm not gonna say the name on this last one um and so obviously, you know it's just an example of John having to struggle a little bit with this you know is he lord commander of the night's watch or is he Jon snow son yeah of
0: Ned how Stark? how easy yeah. is it to stay above the politics of the realm you're not going to accept the help you desperately need
3: yeah
1: i like that whole conversation between the two of them you've got his inner turmoil sam is definitely guiding him the way that a good advisor would mm-hmm. um, and and explaining reason to him which is wonderful um in the book it's him asking for help from King Tommen, not Bolton. So it's, you know, Oh, the, their family killed my brother, but it was a little more like removed. Whereas this is a lot more visceral. I feel. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I kind of like that switch because it makes and, and it's not just, it's not just, you're asking this family, you're addressing them as the warden of right. the North. So mm-hmm. that's like a, that's a knife in the heart and a twist. Yeah. You know? Because I think, you're recognizing them as as the house that owns Winterfell. I think
3: in the books they had established that the Boltons were actually a little bit resource light at this point. Like they had done yeah. a lot of stuff, but now they kind of needed to just hunker down for a while. Yeah. Because they, they, had, they had covered a lot of ground taking out the Iron Men, but they were not. Uh,
1: well, I don't think they were as solidified in Winterfell at this point either. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they were still on their way there.
3: Yeah. So in any case, though, um, I also just thought it was, you know, Sam is, you know, he knows John and he's trying to make this easy, but still getting the job done. And so just the whole element of he saves that one for last, just because in case John blows up and doesn't want to sign it. Well, at least we got all the other ones done and then we get those off and uh, (laughs) revisit the, the hard one good thinking. Sam's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um it's it is interesting too just because um uh although like they're they're blending the timelines a little bit, but uh Sam had been given a a a, a different task to uh to accomplish uh at this point in the books. Yes. Um, it's not clear if they're going to do that at all in the in the show. They have not given us any clue. To it, and and one of the primary reasons for it in the books is not in the show at all either. So maybe it's just not even going to happen.
1: I, mean, I feel like they're dropping seeds, but I don't really want to mm-hmm. talk on about what's not happening. Right, It's it it is definitely interesting. Um, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. I was not too keen on the red woman trying to seduce John. It just seems so like. I'm naked. Of course you want me, (laughs) you know, it was just like, like she was pulling the naked guy, you know, (laughs) I, she mm. has
0: not read him well.
1: No, no, she didn't read. And I feel like, I feel like the character should know better, Mm. you know, Uh, that's, that's a hard thing to discuss unless she didn't want to be successful. Well, the the thing – well, I
3: don't think it's dad as much as she's not in a hurry. Hmm. <laughs> um, she's kind of putting it out there and, hey, if it uh, you know works right away, then good, we're good to go. Otherwise, it's like, well, you know where I'll be. I hated you know? everything I mean, about this to Say game. No, now, but uh, what about, uh, you know, late, late tonight when you're alone in your bed or are you going to maybe – Are uh, you going to snuggle up with Ghost gonna be, or are you going to
1: snuggle up with me? Yeah, yeah. Maybe Sam. Uh <laughs> I really wasn't enjoying this scene. I'm so happy that he did resist her. I was so afraid that we're going to make another choice. And I was just angry, angry, angry. And then as she's leaving the room and she says, you know nothing, Jon Snow. I'm like, (gasps) (laughs) okay, wait, that scene's not so bad. (laughs) Because it gave us that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a little spooky.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Like...
3: (laughs) yeah there's there's an element of this that i i i have opinions about but it's probably too spoilery
0: yeah fair enough
3: um mike mccauley in the q a just says uh i'm thinking there will be consequences for her being rejected by john that's maybe true but i my read on her as she left was not you'll pay for this john snow it was more like you are there's, there's still time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like no no right now means no right now.
1: I feel like there will be repercussions no later. if Stannis ever finds out even with the rejection he won't be pleased. Mhm. I think I think we have more to fear from Stannis.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. cuz the whole thing with like Stannis it's not even like it wouldn't be it's not like a love jealousy, but it's no. this whole thing of he he he's thinking like she's all over me because she thinks I'm this prophet that's going to save the world right it's the the you know the chosen of the lord of light so what's she doing over there
1: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's it's not a romantic love that's that's for sure
3: mm-hmm. i don't think he really even likes her much
1: yeah more yeah, like he is,
3: she, she clearly has power and he is up for that I mean, it's it's like, you know, this is a couple of seasons back now, but it's, you know, goes back to his argument with Davos about use of magic. And he's basically saying the Targaryens had dragons. Mm-hmm. How is it different?
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. I also like just thinking about it, how everyone in Westeros, if they need to explain why they're doing something wrong, if they need an excuse, they always say, well, the Targaryens did it. Yeah. There's no problem with me sleeping with my brother. The Targaryens did it all the time. I can use magic. The Targaryens did it. The Targaryens, did, you know.
3: It, it, oh, yeah. And everyone yeah. loves the Targaryens. That's why there's so many. Oh, wait.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Wacky <laughs> Mad King. Mad yeah. King.
3: Um, <laughs> and so next scene, Stannis Baratheon,
1: Father of the Year.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah.
1: Yes. I love this scene.
3: Yeah. Very sweet. Oh, man. I I really like all the stuff they're doing with Shireen in the show. Yes. She, she's so much like she's, I mean, she's, you know, generic kid with stuff on her face in the books. Yeah. But she's an actual character in the show, which I really appreciate.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only, like, depth you get from Shireen is that Davos really cares about her. Well, so and of
3: course, that. her, it, it, Patchface is her, yeah. Um, yeah. her fool, and you know so. And he's around to say creepy things.
1: Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> and and so most of your opinion of Shireen is all based on what other people say and other people think about her. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't have that much. Whereas yeah. in the show, like she's she, not only did she teach Davos to read, but she loves teaching people to read. You know, mm-hmm. she'll, she'll teach anyone to read. She likes to talk to people and. And you I just feel so bad, like, how her mm-hmm. mom has treated her. Mm-hmm. And then Stannis tells this whole story, which is so good. Mm-hmm. It's so nice. Plus, it is
3: another hint of grayscale as a thing. It's let, yes. The show has taken a couple of steps so far this season to remind us that grayscale is a thing. Um, my guess is it's something else is going to come from that. They're, I mean, they're not bringing it up again just for the hell of it. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. you know I don't know what that will be necessarily, but uh yeah, they know, talk they're, about they're...
1: sending her to live with the stonemen and volantis and uh Valeria Valeria, sorry, not volantis mm-hmm. that's uh more anyway yeah, other... mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so he
0: mentions uh, the doll, I guess how she got it, and I took that yep. to mean like this is just helping us along. this is the disease vector, not mm-hmm. necessarily she was poisoned or. Right. Anyway.
3: The only thing. Oh, it's weird. Well, yeah. The thing that the the only I I felt like this was not an intentional detail, but what was weird about it is this idea that he says we burned the doll, but it was too late. And I'm thinking, well, like, how did you know to burn the doll? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you ever find out that it was the doll? I mean, like, that's. Um, Although it could just be that they left out some of the details there, like, okay, it's this trader from Dorne. He was selling the doll, and we gave it to Shireen. But later we found out that he had grayscale, and so we went and tried to burn everything that he had sold, and we burned the doll, but it was too late. And it just, you know, so it could have been that, and they just left out that part of how they figured out that it was the doll and and that sort of thing. Um, But they did leave out that detail, which made me think, what
1: cuz he did say something like well maybe they thought a uh, a new father would be an easy target mm-hmm. which could be for a merchant or could be for a poisoner or you know i i I, don't I know i thought
3: it was just a sweet sweetheart line of guess you just thought a new father would be an early an easy target so i bought it for you yeah you know that sort of right. thing it's like this idea of he was right. I was an easy target. Yeah, I was totally I an easy target. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And That's so I, I liked strong. that about it.
1: Yeah. How she, her face would light up when she held the doll, and mm-hmm. then you see Shireen just like, "Oh my God, my dad liked seeing me happy." And yeah, I like Sheriff Bullock's comment in mm-hmm. the Q and A. He says, "When Stannis becomes king, I hope he makes Shireen master of young adult literature and after school tutoring." <laughs> that is a great master job. Yes. <laughs> um. And
3: then, of course, the the end of the scene is just a big old Mm oh! She she hugs him, and he's like, "Uh, "I does not compute." Okay, well, (laughs) hands on shoulders, I love you
1: too. Pat pat. You know what? I think I know why I got confused with the whole royal blood thing. I'm just remembering. Uh, It's when Celise says, "I wish I could have born bore you a son," and he's Mm -hmm. like, "You bore me a daughter." Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. is the royal, and 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 that's when Melisandre comes in and says that she's the royal heir. Yeah. That it doesn't matter right. that she's not a boy; she's still mm-hmm. the royal heir. Because mm-hmm. yeah. remember, we are in a patriarchal that's society true. here. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the Lord of Light is saying, "Yeah, it can go to, it can go to Shireen," mm-hmm. that's kind of a big See, deal. I feel like.
3: I don't know. I don't want to rule out something that the show might decide to do, but I just sort of feel like Melisandre's got to know better than to mess with Shireen, because, like, she knows Stannis is not really that into her. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, so I think she got she has to know that I think doing something to Shireen would be a deal breaker.
1: I don't think she wants to do anything to Shireen. I really think that she's keen on this idea of having a female heir.
3: I think, if anything, they may be setting up that Salish would do something to Shireen.
1: That could be. Yeah. That's definitely not she, – she's a little crazy. Remember the jar babies? <laughs> yeah, the fetuses. Yeah. 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 Jar babies. Um, Never trust anyone all of with jar is- babies. You'd get along all of that with is
3: still speculation, by the way. So we're not spoiling anything. Yet.
1: Yeah, this is all speculation. And um, I like what Chooch said. Uh, she would get along well with Kyburn. Yeah. <laughs> um, I bet Kyburn's was- like there on like Westeros Kijiji, trying to get wholesale <laughs> prices on uh, some jar babies. Oh, hey, this person at Dragonstone. They're unloading a bunch of jar babies. Awesome. <laughs> Sorry.
3: Mint in jars.
1: <laughs> mint in
3: jars. <laughs> Actually, I think by definition, if it's in a jar, it's probably not in mint condition. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, if you sprinkle some mint in, then it's minty.
0: <laughs> Let's travel south a little to Winterfell. <laughs> the Crips of Winterfell. Yeah. Get another Rhaegar mm. story passing that his wife was a Martell.
3: Yeah. And the notable. The the interesting detail. I, first of all, is it the I, is it the first time we've gotten the story of uh, Rhaegar giving the flowers to Lyanna in the in show? The show, yes, yeah. Um, and the interesting moment where Stanza goes, and then he kidnapped and raped her, and Littlefinger kind of does a
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> like ah <laughs> yeah, just fine. It's fine.
2: Whatever
1: <laughs> Details. 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 <laughs> None of these people are alive. We don't need to get into it right now.
3: It's, it's not part of your narrative.
1: <laughs> I like that she found the feather. Yeah. That was kind of neat.
3: Uh, do you, do you, uh, if people don't remember the feather, I actually didn't pick up on this until I saw someone else tweet about it. It's the feather that King Robert put there Mm -hmm. in the very first episode of the show when he went down to visit the crypt, when they were there at Winterfell,
0: that was one of the, if you
1: watched the previously on, they showed that.
3: Oh, did they? Okay. I see. I didn't even, I, I guess I didn't even pick that up
1: now. Now that I'm watching on HBO. Now I get the previously on and I get the next episode and I get a little bit afterwards where the, um, the directors are talking about the episode. So I get like all mm-hmm. this extra stuff that I didn't get before. And, um, it's kind of funny. Cause like I'm watching the previously on and they show that scene. I'm like, why mm-hmm. are they showing that scene? Okay. Something's going to have to happen in the crypt. Mm-hmm. And then when she pulls the feather, I'm like, Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> that's why we got the scene of the feather. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so
3: little fingers plan, is a lot more straightforward than i expected and yet i that's to its benefit i think mm-hmm. because i was feeling last time like i don't understand what's in it for him but now the, it's just kind of like okay listen we think what's most likely to happen is that stannis is going to come south and take winterfell and then you're in prime position and that's and it's like oh yeah okay and then he's thinking and even if that doesn't happen then you just have to work your wiles on him, mm-hmm. and you know I think he may be underestimating um, what kind of wiles Ramsey's into. Um,
1: yeah, he has no clue what Ramsey's doing. Which, yeah, um, or it seems he doesn't. Or he, yeah, he. I think he, or he just he thinks Sansa's up to it. Um, well, I also think he overestimates her because of the effect she has on him. Mm-hmm. Could be too.
3: Um, we also got the kiss on the lips.
0: Yeah, that was creepy. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And then the weir- that whole bit of like, he's about to leave and-, and she's like, by the time you get back, I'll be a married woman. And then there's that just moment of both of them going.
2: Yeah, okay. I gotta go. Sorry. <laughs>
3: <All
0: right. laughs> yeah, with the creepy kiss. That's what I'm figuring, you know, so he lays out, like you say, a very clear plan and I'm thinking it's Peter. Mm-hmm. So he's telling Sansa what he wants Sansa to know. So yeah. You know, the, really the, knows what the he's one
2: tricky.
3: Yeah, I, I guess he could sell it. I was just going to say is I can't imagine that Stannis is a big Littlefinger fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But at the same time, I don't know, I, I think, you know, you would absolutely need Sansa. And if Littlefinger just sort of saddles up there and says, you know, I am her uncle by marriage now. You kind of we're a package deal. He's not going to turn Sansa away. Right. And if Sansa says no, Littlefinger stays, then, you know, so that m- might be what he's counting on.
1: I think that if Stannis takes Winterfell, uh, then Sansa is fine. Like her fear of, well, what if he do, If he's not fine with me being here? At, he'll be fine with it. Um, I don't think he's going to do anything to her. He may make her pay for agreeing to marry a Bolton,
0: but mm. I don't think she's going to lose her fingers. So Yeah, I think they know she wouldn't have any choice in that.
3: Well, and I think it's also a matter of little fingers, right? That it, it almost doesn't even matter whether he's mm. mad at her They need her. her. Yeah. Yeah. There's, she is way too valuable as a way to unite the North under a, you know, a daughter of Ned Stark. She's way too important that like, no matter what he might feel about her privately, there's no way he would allow her to be harmed or really, you know, having her stay exactly where she is, is exactly what he would need to have happen.
1: So far as anyone knows, Sansa is the only living Stark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um,
3: the other, the, well, I mean, yeah, especially since we, we can't count Jon Snow, because, you know, that's, because now that Jon has turned Stannis down, Sansa really is his only option.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, but the, the other thing, just when we think about this plan, it's valuable to reflect back a couple of seasons and remember the last time that Sansa made a decision based on assuming that Stannis was going to capture somewhere and she would be fine.
1: Oh, she should have gone with the hound. <laughs> hmm. Oh, Sansa, you stupid. Yeah. And that, that, that involved a possible kiss, too. Yeah.
3: And I, I think it's, you know, not that it turned out well for her there in King's Landing, but I think as far as just playing the odds, I'm not sure she made the wrong decision <laughs> from that perspective.
1: You don't know how things would have happened had she been with Sandor. Would he have been taken by the Brotherhood without Banners if he had her to look after? Would he have gotten as drunk as he did if he didn't have her to look after? Um, and and when he found Arya, you know, the fact that Arya and Sansa would have been together—that would have been a whole new dynamic. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that would be very different.
3: See well, but I, I feel like they wouldn't have found Arya because they would have headed straight for the Erie. Yeah. And uh and they wouldn't have gone that way. Um
1: Well again, and I don't think that he would have been captured well, by the brothers without And banners. it's it's impossible to know what
3: would have happened, but my point is just that hanging out with the hound didn't necessarily turn out great for Arya who tried it. True, <laughs> Um so
1: And, and then all the Sansan fans would Mm -hmm. are screaming in my ear saying, well, no, they would have just disappeared and gone off to live happily ever after.
3: Well, also the, the element of, of, um, if she had left, then she was still supposed to be queen Mm -hmm. at that point. She was still supposed to be, to marry Joffrey. And so if, you know, if they had left, that screws a lot of stuff up, they would definitely be looking for her. Not that they're not looking for her now, but just the idea of being on the road with Sandor is different than being specifically hidden by Littlefinger, who's good at it. Right.
1: <laughs> True. True. Although I, I we could speculate all night, but I wonder yeah. if they might have just made the same argument that they're making for Arya that, yeah, she's dead. Nobody's seen her. She's dead. She died in the sacking of King's Landing. Yeah. Hmm. Then she'd have to prove who she was if she does surface. Because that's the whole thing. If Arya decides to surface, how's she gonna prove that yeah, I'm Aria Stark? Yeah, you need someone who knew her from before. Mm-hmm. And they're all dead. And oh, the few lawyers. Like Littlefinger, Littlefinger, Littlefinger
3: would know. Littlefinger would know, but he would lie. Yeah,
1: depending on what yeah. <laughs> depending yeah. on the, the reason. Um Many, many people would lie. Uh, the Umbers are gone. The Mormonts who have met her are gone. Would she know enough details to convince somebody who's never met her that mm-hmm. she says she is? hmm She wouldn't. So Yeah, I'd have I- to have somebody who actually knew her. hmm And so many of them are dead. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Jon Snow and he knows is that, up yeah. at
3: Castle Black, but again, if the question was, can you identify this person? Can you confirm that she is who she says she is? Right. He could yeah. do that.
1: But they'd have to make a whole trip all the way up there and nobody even thinks of the wall. Well, we are so off
3: track right now. Let's <laughs> yeah. not even go there because we are speculating about things that might have happened differently three seasons right. ago.
1: I
0: know.
3: Isn't it great? All right.
1: Where are we now? <laughs> uh, shores of
0: Dorne. Jamie can't row. Uh-huh. <laughs> Love this little... Mm. Well, and
3: I love that there's a, a return to that later too, when they kill the the soldiers right. and he's <laughs> like, got to dig the graves, and he's like, "Golden hand, it's only good for stopping swords." It's gonna take
0: twice as long as you think it is.
2: <laughs>
0: so when we find out Jamie's also a bit of an idiot, thinking he can just give gold to uh, fishermen or whatever and
2: mm-hmm.
0: not get reported.
3: <laughs> yeah. Because Braun just points out the obvious, which is, <laughs> if he promises to keep your secret, he gets gold, and then he also gets gold again when he really tells somebody.
0: <laughs> You're not going to be yeah. there to. Yeah.
3: yeah, like, how would you ever even find out if he did it or not? If he keeps your secret or not. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's thinking like a cell sword. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, it's, you know, it's just, again, highlights Bron's whole position, which is like, I understand why you would send me, right. but why not send 10 of me yeah. <laughs> instead of
2: you?
0: <laughs> and then, yeah. So how many can you take? One, if he's slow and uh,
2: mm-hmm. Bron
0: just whoo, goes into Gensu yeah. warrior and, and delivers a slow one. <laughs> that was he's like, nice. that one looks
1: slow. I love um,
3: that. <laughs> what what I uh, want to before we get quite there, um, this there was the bit that I mentioned earlier, which is they're talking about ways to die, and <clears> Jamie says, you know, in the in the arms of the woman I love. But like, even as he says it, you sort of feel like is his heart really in that? It's <sighs> it almost feels like that's what he's supposed to say. But then Bron just even kind of goes, "Do you think
1: she feels the same way?"
3: Right. And Jamie's kind of like,
1: oh, <laughs> yeah. But ja- does Jamie really feel the same way? Is he really talking about Cersei right now? Who else would it be? Well, I'm not saying it's someone else. A theoretical I'm just future saying,
0: like, person to die. No, with. well,
1: that's yeah. what I said though. Is yeah. that
3: he says in the arms of the woman I yeah. love because he feels like that's what he's supposed to say, but he doesn't even say it with any real enthusiasm. No, no, that's that was my point. Ah, uh, okay. I don't think he's talking about someone else. I think he was saying it because that's like that's been his answer in his head yeah, for a right. long time. Yeah. And he's really only saying it out loud for the first time in a while. And he's not sure if he really does feel mm. it the same way. And then when Bron points it out, it's like, oh, yeah, I just like I don't even know what like.
1: Who knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. I I do think though that uh Jamie's not so much in love with Cersei and I do think that there's somebody else in his mind whether he's willing to admit it or not. I think he genuinely mm. cares although I don't think he would like to die in her arms. I think he'd like to die fighting at her side. <laughs> yeah.
3: I like mm. I I I get that but I feel like there's not been any other clue that he's still thinking of her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it it might be true, but we've not really been given. Well, I guess that He just saw
0: the island. We Sapphire. did
3: get the reference to, yeah. So I suppose there was that, but I just, I sort of feel like that seems like a stretch to assume that Brienne was even on his mind in that conversation.
1: Oh, I don't, I don't think that she was present in his mind. I think that she's in the back of his mind constantly. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I feel like is going on. Um, even in the books, he's not conscious of, of any feelings, but I think that they're there. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
3: there's, some, there's some spots in the books where he specifically
1: thinks about it. Oh, well, yeah, okay. I don't want to get too into that, but <laughs> at well, this point, yeah, I don't think that, yeah. Well, um, anyway. <laughs> um but yeah so
3: i I feel like all of that is really reading more into it than what was there, but the other thing is we have to um we have to just remember too that the the show is treating this different than the books, and so oh, yeah. it's not some of this stuff that's going unsaid. it's easy to for book readers to jump to the wrong conclusion, I think or possibly wrong because we have to remember like. Where things have been left with them is they they do seem to be continuing their relationship at this point, except that she's mad about Tyrion now, and so this mission is like the price of getting back in her pants. Flash mm-hmm. good graces.
0: What it seems like. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess I thought I thought this mission for him was punishment to himself. Well, I'm,
3: maybe that's why he's going, yeah. but that was her, her deal. Well, and I think that's kind of all of these conversations with Bron. That's mm-hmm. what that's all about is that Bron is forcing him to actually think about why he really is doing it instead of the sort of stock answer that comes first to mind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And Bron's always got the greatest answers. I had an exciting life. I want a boring death. <laughs>
1: Mm-hmm. Braun is such a great character.
2: <laughs> yep.
3: I'm glad we're, I'm glad he's sticking around because he was yeah. kind of mostly off page by this point in the books.
1: Yeah. I'm actually very happy with the changes that they've made to Braun in yeah. the show. Um, because really this is a lot more interesting than Jamie making the trip with Sir Ilan Payne who can't talk. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'd make for great television.
3: Well, and it's also not even
1: where it goes. Well, yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying
3: because Bron
1: yeah. <laughs> was his instructor. So that's who yeah. he goes to. And in the books, his instructor was Cyrillen, who would never have left anyway. But, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's, it's, you know, all I can think of is the cutoff tongue and the <laughs> when he laughs at him.
3: So are we ready to talk about Sand Snakes?
0: Yeah. So we meet some women. Nobody calls them Sand Snakes, but it was my assumption.
3: Well, Elaria called them the sand snakes in the other episode where she's talking to Prince Doran right. and she says, the sand snakes are with me.
0: Right. Yeah. So that was my assumption, but
1: I love the casting.
3: Yeah. I, I think they're great. And it seems like we're, we're probably simplifying it now. There's, yes. there's what seven or eight of them in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, just three, I think is probably more manageable here. And so we definitely got Obara and Nim by name. And the yep. other one I think is supposed to be Tyene, but I don't know if they said her name in the episode. What was her name?
1: I thought they said it. I
3: read something that said it was Tyene. Okay, but I don't. That's who it is. I, but I couldn't remember. I, I, when I rewatched it, I was trying to listen, and I don't remember them saying. They, they say Obara and Nim like twice, and then yeah. Tyene is the one that calls Ilaria mom. Yeah. Um, but. Uh,
1: the one that's hugging her and mm-hmm. dressed like Gabrielle from late seasons of Xena.
3: The one that's not <laughs> doing fancy weapon stuff. Yeah. You know. But she's got great spears. shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were pretty great. Um, yeah. I, they did not disappoint, even though they, it was only a brief scene of introducing them really this time.
1: They didn't look like girls in leather bikinis. I mean, even though the daughter of Ilaria was definitely showing a lot of skin, to me it didn't feel like... You know, chainmail bikini t- style. Uh, mm-hmm. It definitely felt uh, it felt more realistic, especially considering the heat they're under. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that they included the the story about uh, Oberon having the one daughter choose her weapon, spear or tears. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was that was very good. I always like that story. <laughs> um, I think it's interesting.
3: Um, Chooch, what do you, when they talk about their? They want to start a war, and they have to use Marcella. What do you think they have in mind?
0: I think they're going to kill her to enrage Cersei and, and mm-hmm. force their hand. It's interesting because it was
3: more like what their plan re Marcella was in the books was what we like, we know it right away. And I wonder if it's the same because there's, they're changing a lot of elements of it. Um, And so the fact that they don't say it explicitly, I, you know, I don't know if that means something or if I'm just reading into it.
1: I don't think it's the same as the books.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, Illyria,
0: Elyria told, Doran, mm-hmm. I would send her piece by piece back to King's Landing.
3: But it's also just makes me specifically think about the exchange last season. And maybe this is just something that they're not really dealing with. And I'm reading too much into it. There's a whole bit about Cersei asking Oberyn, like, are you going to hurt Marcella?" And he's like, in Dorne, we do not hurt little girls. And she's like, right. everywhere they hurt little girls. Yeah. Which
0: Duran so, doubled, said, we don't do that here. Um, but Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, Duran definitely agrees with that one. But,
0: yeah, it's clear she's not having any of it. And, and um, yeah, it's not her policy when it's the one she loves who got wrongfully killed in her mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important to note that there is a difference between a man saying we don't hurt little girls or we're going to hurt a little girl and a woman saying it because and especially in in the Dornish society because having lived the life of a woman it's i feel like it's it's uh being a woman you especially a strong woman you feel like well they don't need as much protection as men seem to think that they do and 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 that might be playing in there i i don't know and I I don't
3: I don't mean to imply that they the characters seem as though they would be completely philosophically opposed and it would be unthinkable to do it. Yeah. What I'm saying is really just more mercenary in the sense of they made a point about it in the show. No, I know. So maybe they're going to do something with that is all I'm saying, as opposed to um, just the question of would they be willing
0: to. Yeah, and I think it's, so. I
3: wonder if they're going to revisit the fact that they specifically had that conversation. Is what I mean.
0: I think she's yeah, going totally wild card. Has nothing to do with the Dorn government or anything because she was a paramour anyway. She didn't really she doesn't hold an office, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I think she's going wild card, and she just wants vengeance and that's it, and has nothing to do with the governments or. Yeah
3: well and and the thing is is too as as we're seeing more and more this season we we the the books are increasingly less useful as a predictor of what might happen yep i hmm. there's, I'm there's interested another thing this happen. episode
1: that seems different, yeah, we'll get there <laughs> <laughs> mm. show lost yeah. two points for that by the way interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, was
3: is it, we finished talking about the sand snakes or yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I am.
0: Mean, and yeah. So we, and then we already talked about, um, Tyrion and Jorah.
3: Well, a little bit. Um, I guess I didn't have a lot more to say. Um, we, we definitely get confirmation that he's taking her, uh, taking Tyrion to Danny, not to Cersei. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we, you know, we all suspected that those of us who, uh, didn't already, you know, know. Um, In fact, actually, I mean, I, you know, I think we talked about this last time. It's like, when I read in the books, it really honestly didn't even cross my mind that it wouldn't be Danny. Like, it didn't even occur to me that it was ambiguous.
0: (laughs) And it didn't occur to me until you said it when we recorded. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: But anyway, uh, yeah, my note here was just, we learn that Jorah is taking Tyrion to Danny and that Tyrion still has a big mouth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love how he's singing through his gag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so Tyrion. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I like,
3: to that Tyrion, first of all, like when he hears what's happening, he's just kind of like, I'm not going to fight you, dude. That's where I was trying to go, <laughs> right. so why not untie me? No? Okay, well, then... Prepare to be mocked because you're doing
1: some pretty <laughs> mock-worthy things. <laughs> uh, he's, he, he, Tyrion is just, it's so great to see him in this scene because he's just so Tyrion. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the bit about how he can't sleep without wine and then he ends up asleep at the end.
3: <laughs> <You're not gonna laughs> well, sleep. I liked that Jorah specifically lets go of the rudder, stands up, walks across the boat without a word, just to backhand Tyrion, and then goes back to sitting at the rudder again. <laughs> yep.
2: Yep.
0: Oh, it's so good. And does not want his bubble burst. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, obviously he could be lying and that wasn't where he was going, blah, blah, blah. But he's, you know, poking holes in his little fantasy.
3: Jorah has always been one of these characters that, like, Almost more than anyone except early season Sansa has this idea that somehow the world is supposed to work like a fairy tale. Yep. And he's constantly frustrated and disappointed that it doesn't, especially when half the time it's his own dumb ass fault that it doesn't.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: You know, like, you know... You know, I I, I don't remember how much we I think we did get a a scene of him telling the story of how he came to end up selling slaves um, about how he got an expensive wife, so to speak. But again, it's just it's this element of like, you know, he's not blameless in how things turn out for him. So, you know, but he's definitely this an interesting, complex character because he keeps trying to somehow recapture the magic. Like if somehow he can just do just the right thing, it'll all click back into place.
1: I feel like he is such the stereotype of the friend zoned. Nice guy. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if I give her an enemy, then she'll have to trust me again. She'll have to like me. And you know, and it's like, Oh, Jora, you dumb, dumb. That's See, I, like, works. I'm, she's not going to forgive you
3: for losing well, her kid. I'm not disagreeing <laughs> with that. I'm, I'm just reluctant. I I don't like the trope of the friend zoned nice guy. I feel like I don't I don't like that idea. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I agree. And, and and so I don't like thinking of him that way. And I don't really think it's. I mean, I'm not criticizing because you're certainly not the only person to describe him that way. And I and it's 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 not altogether inappropriate or anything it's it it, like it makes sense but i just sort of feel like i feel like a, a, a little bit like there's more romantic stuff in there than say brienne and renly but at the same time i feel like he had resigned himself to this idea that he wanted to serve her whether or not there ever was anything more like it's not that he wouldn't want something more but he doesn't need it and it's and so he it's always kind of like there that if she offered he would take it but I don't think he was planning to ever give her an, any kind of an ultimatum
1: I don't think he would ever give her an ultimatum, but he's definitely overstepped his bounds a few times and thought that he was more important emotionally to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, there have been a few times where he's like Daenerys and she's like, you'll call me Khaleesi. And you know, she's, she's had to tell him that you're overstepping your bounds a few times. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I think so.
1: I just, I guess I just,
3: I don't, I don't like the whole cultural concept of the friend zone. I don't, I I don't like it. I think it oversimplifies complex relationships.
1: I agree. And and one of the reasons why I brought it up is because what I don't like about it is that uh some people they buy into it and they think that it's a series of uh checks in in the right column and if I get enough checks in this column then I'll level up and I'll earn this girlfriend or boyfriend mm-hmm. or whatever with completely removing the person from the equation and thinking about their feelings which is why i bring it up here because dude how is she going to be able to forget your actions and how mm-hmm. she was almost killed her child was she was pregnant and she was about to be poisoned and you were in on this see i almost feel like i don't
3: necessarily think that stuff is unforgivable necessarily because it's what he did before. And like, he should, I'm, I'm not saying it's like, it's, yeah. it's nothing, but I'm just saying, it's like Barristan served her enemy yeah. and well, her I brother's think- enemies. And you know, I just mean, it's like, yeah. I think that it could theoretically be forgiven if he was actually dealing with it, right?
1: Right, exactly. Instead of thinking, I'll just kidnap this guy. You know, if he, if he raised an army, if he brought Mm -hmm. her uh, a whole armada of ships so that she could go to Westeros, if he, if he did something that would actually help her cause and, and prove that he is fighting back to earn her trust, that would be one thing, but thinking I'm going to show up with one of your enemies bound and gagged, that'll make you care about me again. You know, it's, it's not enough, like he's not thinking about what he has to do to earn her trust back, and he's not thinking about how can I prove to her that I would never betray her like that, and that she's important, you know, and 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 what what, what does she really want? And that's what he's not thinking about, which is why I brought up the comparison, because he's just – like you said he's not confronting it head on i mean he's he's still thinking well i had to sell slaves because i mm. had an expensive wife and well ned stark was being unreasonable if i just sent them to the wall then i'd have nothing you know and it's like dude no you these are your choices you have to live with the consequences yeah. well the thing is it's like um
3: it it is to an extent what jorah is doing But it's also like the element that I don't like about it, that it sometimes shows up as a trope in some of these stories. And I think it's absolutely something that uh, some guys buy into as something that's how real life works, which is that like women are not like a vending machine that you put affection (laughs) coins into. Yes,
1: exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. That is my whole point. Yes. Yeah. The, the, women are not vending machines. We don't take affection coins. <laughs> Neither are men, you know, and it works both ways. That's that's one thing I want to make very clear. It works both ways. You know, you have to see a person as a person, not a vending machine.
3: Anyway, we're also <laughs> off track, except in that just we are, I think, agreed yeah. that Dora's whole plan is based on this fantasy that somehow it's all just going to click back into place and be like, it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be interesting.
3: And, uh, Tyrion rightly points out, it's like, you think she's going to pardon you and execute me? It's just as likely to be the
1: other way around. (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Zane doesn't want to burst this little bubble.
1: Mm. Especially because Tyrion has so much knowledge about dragons Uh, that's book
3: though we haven't
1: in the show show, first season game of thrones he's telling john what his favorite topics are and why he reads so many books
3: he talks about reading a lot of books but does he actually say anything about reading about dragons i don't remember that he was reading was about dragons Mm -hmm. i i mean i think that the show could absolutely sell us that he knows about dragons because he reads so much i just don't feel like they have they actually said so
0: Sorry, I got distracted by Sheriff Bullock's joke. Um, <laughs> I'm fairly certain there are female vending machines in Japan. <laughs> um,
1: I I thought he was reading a book about dragons. I could look that up and see. I may be wrong. Well, I but I he's very really knowledgeable like about all things. You know, sure. he's yeah. read all of the old Maester's, um the old maester's journals and he's read about all of the big Kings.
3: Right. And, I, I'm not saying he's not well-read. I just mean, let's not overstate the point and imply uh, that like he's at dragon
0: expert.
1: No, no, I would never say that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. think but it's ever again, been implied anywhere that that would be why he's, what he's there to help with.
1: No, mm-hmm. I don't think that's why he's there. I'm just yeah. thinking, you know, what does he have to offer other than honestly
3: one of the things that i feel like is a ball dropped both in the show and in the books is that surely there are dragon experts at least just as researchers why does danny not seek some out (laughs) and say hey you know it's like anyone know how to tame a dragon maybe somebody wrote a book about it back when they used to actually do this true why does that never come up it doesn't come up in the books
1: either it's weird I know she She asks Viserys about them, but, you know, he's like, you know, he talks about the skulls and that's it. Well, it's all in the abstract, too, because that she doesn't actually have them yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, if there was a while when they were still little where she thought she didn't have to train them. They were just going to always do what she said.
1: Yeah. Until one of them snapped at her. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> So that uh, such a good scene. Head in, head into marine. We get mm-hmm. a lot more Rhaegar backstory this episode.
3: Yeah, there's interesting. Just like you know, Rhaegar and Liana and Ned all just got like out of nowhere mentions. Yeah, that's interesting almost like it's important
1: what happened in the past.
3: <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's something that comes up an awful lot more in the books of yeah. characters thinking about stuff that had happened in the past. And because obviously that's difficult to convey someone's internal monologue of thinking about something that happened 20 years ago in the oh, show yeah. without doing flashbacks. Uh, it's, it's just interesting that they, they haven't dealt with a lot of that stuff. And so, A lot of these things we would have known a long time ago in the books, just because a character would have thought about it. Um, But, uh, you know, we having to get reminders of it, which makes, you know, since it's been so long, it makes me wonder if something's going to come of it. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: If
3: there's going to be something relevant to happen. Otherwise, why bring it up again?
0: Unless it's just, you know, know. other than tying the the families into the fabric of the history and showing... Mm -hmm how um, they're reemphasizing how far back their bloodlines go.
3: Well, it can also, especially with Rhaegar, emphasize this idea that the way people are seen can be complex mm-hmm. because there's this element of he chose a woman other than his wife and then, you know, debatably kidnapped and raped her. That was certainly the 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 narrative from the stark baratheon side but to be sure he picked and gave flowers to a woman not his wife that definitely happened but there's also this and and he was also renowned as a great fighter i mean like the whole thing in that particular tourney was that he beat barristan selmy that was you know one of the things in that particular tournament but then also, Berston coming out with this whole story of how he used to go out and sing to the people and then give the money away or get drunk with it and stuff. And just like that's it's this idea that historical figures are still multi layered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it might, it might just be an element of that, of just reminding us it's important to not oversimplify who a person is. Yeah.
1: Well, and we got a little bit of that, uh, I don't think it was last episode, but the episode before, the last time uh, Barrison was talking about the Mad King. And he's like, oh, he was mad. You know, the stories are true, but there are other sides to him. And he, he did bring up some other sides. So yeah. Well,
3: yeah, funny. it's like it wasn't it didn't
1: start that way.
3: Right. Yeah. It's like it started with him wanting to do justice. He just liked doing justice too much. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: And um this is just a really sweet scene between Barriston and Din and you can see mm-hmm. this blossoming of a nice relationship as they're starting to put him into the refrigerator. Um oh, I know. <laughs> so I feel like this scene also is making us want to care more about him. Yeah. yeah
3: like Seriously, we're skipping right. ahead a little bit here. <laughs> Did we lose Grey Worm and Barristan in the
1: same episode? What the fuck? Uh, I don't think we lost Grey Worm because he was still... Um, yeah, I don't think I, so. It, I've, I will concede that they didn't
3: definitively tell us that they were both dead. But uh, they were both lying there unmoving in spreading pools of blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after both sustaining multiple serious, potentially mortal wounds. Mm-hmm.
1: I want at least for Grey Worm to be alive to tell the story of how Barristan went out, so that yeah. people don't think he went out as a chump because he went out awesomely. Yeah. Well. Uh, so at
3: this, th- I yeah. So I don't know if they're both going to be dead. I feel like it may be that they're going to save. You know, like like they they could have either of them or even both potentially survive, but I feel like they also the I implication with that final shot was not to me cliffhanger, it was they have both sustained mortal wounds and now here they are lying there, unmoving mm. in pools of blood.
1: Mm.
0: <sighs> yeah, I guess we'll see.
1: Which I hate. And, 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 and this episode loses two whole points for Barristan dying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it does not happen in the books. There's a lot more for him to do in the books. And why did they shoehorn him into the story and really push him in there if he was just going to be killed off? And I don't understand why. And it drives me crazy. Um, and this is where we have my new segment. Uh, The actor who plays Barristan Selmy, uh, Ian McKinley, McKinley, M-C-E-L-I-N-N-E-Y. Anyway, uh, he was interviewed, and basically he said, yeah, I kind of shot myself in the foot because I read the books, and when I found out that I only had four episodes this season, I said, hey, what's going on? Why do I only have four episodes? Am I being written out of the show? And uh, the the showrunners were kind of surprised that he realized what was happening, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they're like, "Yeah, no, we're we're writing you out." And he's like, uh, "But all these books, <laughs> I'm still alive in the books." And uh, he was
3: well, I mean, high. they're
2: uh,
3: yeah, I mean, he has not died in the books, but it's also like, you know, that storyline is up through first quarter of book five territory.
1: Yeah, yeah, but but um. So anyway, so he was very gallant about it. He said that he would have loved to have continued, but you know he he was happy with the scenes that he got. He was very happy to have the scene, uh, with Daenerys in this episode, and he was very happy that his character had a really good death scene, because Mm. he felt that that was right. Um, his favorite scene to film of all time was when he told Joffrey, "Fuck you, I'm out of here." Um. (laughs) which was awesome. And I'm sure everybody loved that scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he says his only regret is that he never got to meet or work with Peter Dinklage. Wow. Yeah. So classy actor went out very classy when we're all mad that he's dead. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's,
3: it's sad. And I mean, I, I, I think Nutty, both you and I might partly be reacting like this simply because of the this books? is one of the first, well, is this is one yeah. of the first times that we're in the same boat as the non book readers of like, what, what,
1: what, what? <laughs> well, in the books, we get point of view chapters from him. So once you're in someone's head, like they really matter. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I was really blindsided. I did not know that that was happening.
3: Yeah,
0: I was I was not pleased. Hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily want to see him die, but it, yeah, it didn't have a big of an impact.
3: Yeah. I, I like, like I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not pleased. I'm upset that he's dead, but I'm not like mad at the show. I don't like, I don't feel like the show did something wrong. It's just a sad thing to happen to a character I liked.
1: I, I'm a little, I'm upset because I feel like they really pushed him into the show only to take him out. And I don't really understand why they pushed him in. Like he I, didn't have to come in as soon as he did. He could have shown up this uh, last season and, and explained who Jorah was like, he didn't have to be there all that time up before then. Um, and I, it just felt to me like they were going to do more with him. I,
3: well, I, I mean, I feel like the only reason they did that is because they got to keep the actor working or else he's going to go off and do something else.
0: Hmm. Well. Maybe now Danny's going to have a slot in her roster, so maybe there will be a place for sure. Maybe. <laughs> well,
3: I think one it's, old guy. it's, all, it's a, a little bit like with uh, Marjorie in the sense that uh, she's now, you know, she's losing some of her allies here. She's going to, you know, she's going to need to make some decisions what's going on here. Because, I mean, the thing is, you know, compared to Westeros where, sure, you might have to fight some armies of people who they want to be on the Iron Throne for you to get to be on the Iron Throne. But it's not a situation where, like, almost everybody there would kind of wish you just go away. Mm-hmm. Like, even the former slaves at this point are, like, they want her to give them the power to kill the masters and then go away.
1: Yeah. At this point.
3: Yeah. Like, they. so like there's very few people who really want her to be there. Yeah. So at a certain point, it's kind of like, well, so, you know, it's one thing to say, you need to practice ruling, but it's another thing to say, yeah, but is this where you want to rule? You know, like,
1: Dress for the job you want, not the,
0: <laughs> not the job you want. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, I like that too because in the books she's wearing their
3: their clothes. Yeah, she actually <laughs> – there's a whole thing about it. She talks about um, – uh, she has to put on her floppy ears because it, yes. it's, it's not literally like ears, but it's just like when you're in the land of the rabbits, you have to wear floppy ears. You know, So she has to wear this really – fancy but super inconvenient dress that like the whole idea of the dress is that nobody who actually has to do anything for a living could ever wear this dress because it's just
1: too impractical. It's like you have to have servants to wear the dress. And that's why it shows how important you are because Mm -hmm. you need servants. It's so bizarre.
3: Yeah. So she, she's having to deal with that in, uh, um, In the, in the book. So, but again, it's that whole thing of like, you know, there, there's a cultural barrier in Marine that she wouldn't have in Westeros.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, we also jumped before the, the carnage. We had Mm. another uh, discussion about reopening the fighting pits, which I thought she had already decided that. Yeah. He is not letting that go. At least she told Dario, all right, yeah, you convinced me. But apparently well, not. I don't think she said
3: he convinced her as much as she was just surprised that he didn't take her side.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I thought at the end of the conversation, she said, okay, I'll open him. Or maybe that was just me writing my notes that I was convinced he changed her mind.
3: That was not my impression. Okay.
1: Maybe he changed your mind.
0: <laughs> mm. Oh, Dario.
1: Um, in the books, he's got other people who are there with him, uh, former fighters who are basically begging her mm. mm-hmm. um, saying like, this is what I know how to do. Yeah. they Like you, you know. are robbing me of my passion mm-hmm. and, um, you know, things go differently. So it's, yeah. uh, I kind of, again, I like the idea of having those people there, but I understand because it's TV, we simplify and cut everything down. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: Well, and I think they're also just, you know, they're, they're I mean, there there's several elements of this yeah. that are slightly different, right? And Dario um, took that place also. The the one thing about the um, the Sons of the Harpy that I wish the show would hit a little bit harder because it's not clear is, is like, who are these guys who are wearing the mask, right? Because yeah. they are not the masters because those guys would not take up a sword and actually go out in the street and risk getting speared through the throat. Um, these are the lower class but non-slave workers who are now out of a job because there's all of this unskilled labor competing mm-hmm. now for the, their their jobs. And they are getting paid by the masters to do it. But otherwise, they're just like the ordinary worker class of this city. And I, and I mean, it's not like a big deal, but I just, I feel like the show ha, is kind of treating them just like the, like they're generic and it doesn't matter who they are. But I, I felt like that kind of mattered because it just sort of shows that like, like she's really got like every single class of the city pissed Yeah.
1: Well, and it shows that there's a there's very different levels of class in the city. It's more than just the slaves and the masters. Mm-hmm. That's
3: yeah. also how there's so many of them, because we wouldn't yeah. have think of like the rich masters as why would they have 40 guys to go out there and risk their lives. You if know, you
1: well, it's
3: <laughs> 1%. Yeah. So just making it clear that it's like, you know, like these guys in the masks are not the rich ones that used to have slaves. Mm-hmm. You know they're the ones getting paid by those people in ways that are not super easy to trace.
1: So the chick holding the guy's head and then pointing to where the sons of the harpy are, she's totally in on it, right? Sure well, like she
3: it. was the same one who killed the the um, the unsullied from the earlier episode this season. Uh, oh, is she? Oh. Yeah, she's the same prostitute that killed the one the one guy.
1: Okay, because like I'm watching. And they come in, and they stab everyone, and other people are freaking out, and she's just standing there.
3: Oh, yeah. So, yes, absolutely, totally in on it. She is, one, you know, the first Unsullied that we saw get his throat slit slit when he went to the brothel. It was was her
1: that did it. It was with her. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm yeah so like i thought that was i didn't realize it was the same person but that i thought was like really interesting to me
3: i wouldn't have recognized her except that in the previously on they showed the clip of that and showed her face Uh yeah you're right i missed that one (laughs) Uh,
1: i still missed it
3: (laughs) but uh, well i don't it's not super critical i don't think i mean it's it's a detail that's interesting but it's not
1: but i think it's neat that to show how you've got um people involved in this plot who are not wearing gold masks. Right. Right. But just because you're wearing a gold mask, That's not the only Sons of the Harpy. You've got many other collaborators.
3: Well, and that's the whole thing that yeah. makes this so hard. The whole thing of that they're wearing masks is like, how do you know who it is? Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, it's like it, you, you have someone who was just fighting you to the death and then they run away and you run around the corner and now the mask is on the ground and you're like, who who was it? It's just a crowd now, yeah.
1: yeah. It's like ninjas, <laughs> real ninjas. Well, because real ninjas really weren't guys running around in black pajamas. They were they were the servants. They were the help. They were uh, people that you wouldn't normally look at and getting paid off to just do things. And that's why they were so scary. They it was it was all good PR. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: you want to um, give some ratings. Um, oh, I did not this is a tough one. care for this. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really care for this episode overall. Um,
1: no. Well, it lost two points for Barristan and Selmy and it lost another point partially because of the way that the militants were and, and the anti-homosexuality vibe. And just reminding me again, that Loris is reduced to just being the gay knight and he doesn't have his own character and partially lost a point because of the whole seducing Jon Snow thing but then it got a point because of the Stannis and Shireen scene like that was so awesome and it got some points because of Bronn and Jamie that was pretty cool but i think i think i'm going to have to give this a 6 out of 10 Hugging Sand Snakes.
3: I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10 Scorpions Under the Bucket.
0: Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I like that. I'm giving it 5 out of 10 Ooh. Disappointed Illegal Downloaders, since this is the first new <laughs> episode. And it was a snoozer,
3: I think. It was not the best. That's... I was just so excited for the Sand Snakes. That was almost all of my... Uh... Yeah. Well, and also realizing that, okay, Littlefinger does actually have a semi reasonable plan yes. that is not just some labyrinthine thing, thing that relies too much on coincidence. Hmm.
1: And, and Chooch, I think wins at uh, the rating scale because that was awesome. <laughs> Disappointed illegal downloaders, yes.
0: Waited a month and oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, Mike McAuley, Mike nearly halfway through the season and still no brand. Yeah, we may make it all the way.
3: Well, I, I mean, we heard the rumor that he's just not in this season mm-hmm. at all. I think that yep. seems plausible. Um,
1: this actually would have been the last episode that yeah. the illegal downloaders would have had. Ah. So they're sitting there with seeing mm-hmm. Berenstain and Salmi <laughs> die as the last thing that they got to see. Yeah. And they have to wait a month. Yeah. I, well,
3: and so given that that article you read, it seems like confirmation that Barristan is dead, but I still it's not obvious to me that Grey Worm is OK.
0: Yeah, right. I agree. I, I
3: mean, because so I it seems to me like that last shot was meant to indicate that they're both dead. But uh, we it, I'll certainly acknowledge that, uh, you know, it's not like I'm going to call bullshit if it turns out Grey Worm's OK. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I just hope he's alive long enough to tell the tale. You know, I, I I I want people to know that Selmy didn't go out like a chump, and that Grey Worm also fought quite well. It was a good scene. I just I don't know. Well, it's an it's an upsetting episode.
3: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for like for a couple of reasons. One, just like the whole the the faith militant, it, they're super creepy, and we're supposed to be uncomfortable there. And then the sons of the harpy—that's upsetting for the largely the same reason. And then we get some, at least one character that we like killed. It's, you know, it's it's upsetting. This is some. This is and and like even like you know you were complaining about the Melisandre seducing um, uh, John scene. Like I, I don't dislike that as a scene, but yeah, it's uncomfortable. I mean, I just feel like this episode is just loading us up on the stuff that's supposed to make us uncomfortable
1: yeah so do we want to talk about the title of next week's episode
0: yes i don't remember what it is i didn't look it up
1: it's kill the boy which is why i want to talk about it it's normally you know an episode title i'm like okay so i might have an idea of what we're going to touch on but kill the boy well first off we already killed the boy that we all wanted to kill last season Joffrey. (laughs) Um, Mm. So I'm like, wait, don't kill Tommen. I don't want Tommen dead. Mm. What do they mean by kill the boy? Oh, no.
3: Yeah, I don't know what other boy there is, really. Well, I don't know, unless Rickon's going to show up again. Oh, no, no, no (laughs) killing Rickon. I'm not on board with killing Rickon. I'm just trying to think of what other boy it could even be. (laughs)
0: Uh, John's new
3: steward. (laughs) Oh uh, <laughs> Ollie. Ollie. I think it was Why do they name the little blonde kid with the bow and arrow Ollie? That's just weird. Do <laughs> you think that's on purpose or do they are they kicking themselves?
0: Am I missing something?
3: Oliver Queen and Arrow yeah. is Ollie. Oh.
1: I, I don't know. Maybe nobody else cares. But we got <laughs> – he, he's, he's no Oliver Queen, let me just say that. Um, he's just a kid, though. He hasn't been to true. the island yet. That's true. Uh, so Sheriff Bullock says in the chat, I am not feeling this season 6 out of 10. No, not Bar- Sir Barristan, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is also quite a great reading system. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> that was my last note for the episode. But, yeah, pretty much. Pretty
1: much.
0: And we have our uh, our survey, which uh, introduced characters. I think we just have the three Sand Snakes, right? Yeah. And I'm
1: I, I, myself I, for changing my vote. I was going to vote three like I do every week, but no, I had to go and vote one like an idiot.
3: Sharp <laughs> Bullock saying, who's Rickon? <laughs> <laughs> <The audience. laughs> it's been a while. What? Season three, right? That we sent him off?
1: I think so. Yeah,
3: near the end of season three, I think, because he was still traveling with Bran. Um, Even until when they... he was around, it was
1: who's Rickon.
3: <laughs> well, it's like until like the very last episode he was in, he was the kid who says creepy things from the shadows.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Rickon of the Corn.
3: Yeah, uh, Mike McCauley says, "Could the boy? Could the reference to the boy be Arya no longer passing for a boy and being a woman from now on?"
1: Mm. oh but that makes hmm. me just saying aria makes me think of uh, the house of the undying and, and oh that could be really creepy <laughs>
0: well the um the surveys i only actually received two for some reason yeah
1: i didn't uh i forgot I don't
0: see nutties i have one for me and one from a
1: pat you know what i may have filled it out before you put the new one up ah. i voted one and I was wrong.
0: <laughs> well, Pat and I were both over. I said four and he said five. So.
1: Oh, so I win. <laughs> Except that you didn't actually submit it right. I submitted it. He just didn't have it up fast enough. Uh, uh-huh. the I like that
0: story. Well, I mean, technically, I still would have received it.
3: As not having an actual received survey, you were actually tied with <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I, I would agree, though the answer is 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 three, even mm. if we didn't actually get Tyene's
1: yeah. spoken name.
3: Yeah. It's clear uh, they're all can. going to be central, yeah. or
1: even all... even yeah. if we didn't get their names, I would count them mm. because they've been named the Sand Snake. So, right? Yeah. All right. Are we almost?
3: Cool. Almost done. I, think we <laughs> I are, feel like yeah. I'm always the one that's in a hurry at the end, but tonight my, my back is kind of. <laughs>
0: I think we've covered all the bases. I think we (laughs) have.
1: Yeah. All right. We are officially on the schedule uh, for Balticon. Mm -hmm. Sunday night, 7 p.m. Things can change. The schedule is still subject to change, but uh, you guys can come out, have fun at 7 p.m., hang out with us, and then later on come to our PG Holyfield Celebration of Life later on that evening at 10 p.m., and uh, see you guys at Balticon. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. That is exciting. <laughs> Yay. Baltica.
0: All right. So we are all clear.
1: And uh, the... next week's survey is going to be the same named characters.
0: Yeah. We're going to roll with that. And we will like see <laughs> what happens and who actually submits. Maybe we'll retire it. Cause we have not really had, <laughs> we haven't had the full cast submit yet. So yeah, it's not a good sign.
3: Well I, I'm yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure how to make that I just I, I keep forgetting and so mm-hmm. I'm not sure what the way to uh <laughs> make me remember better is.
0: <laughs> we'll all start shaming you on Twitter on Sunday.
1: Otherwise, uh there are two memes on uh Two new Game of Thrones memes from last week's episode that have been on the Game of Thrones meme roundup, which uh, I have now made the Unbreakable Podrick Payne my cover photo on Facebook because I love it so much. It's great. (laughs) And the Shadows and Vorlon one is uh, I've gotten a lot of feedback from some b 5 fans. They all think it's priceless.
0: (laughs) Excellent. All right. Thanks, for everybody, for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.
2: Hey, okay, bye.
1: If you have feedback for the Beyond the Wall podcast, you can email us at btw at specficmedia.com. You can also leave us a comment on the website. Go to specficmedia.com where you'll find a shiny BTW button that'll take you right to our page. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Feel free to share and remix. Just give us credit and don't charge money
0: for it.